sort of uh, stumbled into this sermon series that we're doing. Uh, we I started I talked about forgiveness a couple of weeks ago, and then got some great uh, follow-up questions, and we dealt with those last week, and just sort of plowed through some of the questions and scriptures that touched upon those answers, and we've been looking at this idea of forgiveness, or more directly, our call to forgive. And it occurred to me, as I was sort of reflecting on this this calling that we all have, the Bible, and we'll, we'll look at this in a second, but the Bible says very directly that we are to forgive. It actually is not a very good uh, toolbox on the first glance as to how we forgive. It doesn't give a lot of details and breaking down the how to forgive. It sort of leaves that to us to discern from stories in the Bible and uh, the work of Christ, etc. And so we're going to try this morning to look at the how. And I'm going to call this a workshop rather than a, a sermon. So instead of preaching at you about forgiveness, we're going we're gonna to look at some scriptures and we're going to try to draw each one of us into the actual practice of forgiving someone today. So brace yourselves, should be interesting. Um, but uh, we're going to start with uh, a passage that no one loves. Uh, it's in Matthew chapter 18, which this chapter has a lot to say about human conflict, interpersonal conflicts and differences of opinion, uh, sin, and just being human. And so in the context of this, uh, Peter approaches Jesus and says, well, I'll just read it to you from Matthew, Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 22. Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Um, much has been made about this passage. Uh, you've probably heard it elaborated on a few times. Uh, in, in common Jewish understanding in the first century, uh, it was part of their, uh, sort of if you want to call it this, their, their Sunday school curriculum that you teach people to forgive a person three times, right? So if they, they hurt you, you forgive them. They hurt you again, you forgive them. They hurt you a third time, you forgive them. If they hurt you a fourth time, you dust your feet off and walk away, right? You're done. That person has, has swung three times and missed. They're out of the batter's box, okay? That was sort of the common teaching at the time Jesus was growing up. And so Peter is thinking, okay, Jesus is kind of radical, and he's going to blow this out of the water. And so he's going to call us to a greater degree of forgiveness than the, the three-strike rule. And we're Jewish, so the ultimate number is seven. That's the day God rested. And uh, it's the number that sort of represents divinity and 
peace in heaven. And so I'm sure with this Jewish Messiah that's teaching us about forgiveness, Peter thinks he's landed on the right number. And Jesus says, well, Peter, you're, you're, you're on the right track. It's going to happen in intervals of seven, but multiply that by 11. So it's 77. Um, that's a lot. And Peter's thinking, uh, I don't know that I have a chalkboard that's big enough to keep track of 77 sins. Right For each person in my life who might sin against me. That's going to be a lot of accounting. And of course, the whole point that Jesus is making is, I don't want you keeping count. I want you forgiving. I want you to be a forgiving person. Which leads me to my first observation here. Uh, Jesus tells us we must forgive others and in general, in an ongoing sense, be forgiving people. That's what we're called to as Christians, as his followers. Uh, another observation, we've already, I've already brought this up, but the Bible does not say a lot directly about how to forgive. Um, if we were talking about Saving faith. The Bible actually does talk very specifically about how we do that. We, we confess our sins. We trust in Jesus. We, we confess his name and we call on him to forgive us. And we look to his sacrifice for establishing that forgiveness. The Bible has a few of the mechanics of salvation lined out for us in case we didn't automatically understand it. Forgiveness is a little less spelled out, uh, but there are several clues for us in Scripture that I want us to look at to kind of help us put a framework around this call to forgive. And what I'm going to do today is, how do I explain this? Okay, the best theology, the best understanding of God, comes from places in the scriptures where it's really, really clear. And it says in full sentences, in context, this is what I want you to believe. Okay? Um, as you get farther and farther away from straightforward statements in clear context, uh, you get to what people will call word studies, studies of particular Words. This is uh, actually one of the more dangerous places to build theology because every author might have a slightly different understanding or use for that word. And so you have to sort of look much more seriously at context, much more seriously at uh, the surrounding passages and what they do say clearly before you can jump to conclusions in word studies. I say that because we're about to launch into a long series of word studies today. Well, it won't hurt, I promise. Um, but I think, and I, so I, I want to, this is what I'm trying to say. 
I don't want us to get too bogged down in the details of these words. I want these words to provide general guidelines for us in our understanding of how to forgive. Does that make sense? All right. So the Old Testament, which was written in Hebrew for the most part, has two primary words for forgiveness. And I want us to look at the root of those words and derive some clues as to how to forgive from what's in the root of those two words. I'm going to read you a passage from the book of Numbers, chapter 14, verses 18 and 19, where it uses one of these two words uh, for forgiveness. And this is what it says. The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation. Please pardon the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your steadfast love, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. And so a description of God is given, and then a plea to God is made. And in both cases, uh, the same word for forgiveness is used, and this word means to lift, carry, or take. It has those connotations. The root of this word means to lift off or to carry for someone or to take away something from someone. All right? And so this is the word that's used to describe God's forgiveness for his people in the Old Testament. One of the two words. And so it's, it's a picture of a God who, who takes away something from us. He takes away our sin in this case. And so to lift, carry, or take, as in a burden that is lifted, carried away, or taken from us. That's uh, the first word that I want us to look at. If you remember uh, the story of Joseph, which is in Genesis chapter, well, I don't know. Kevin, how many chapters does the story of Joseph take up? You're the, you're the resident expert on this Bible story, man. Like 30, yeah, and it's not quite 30, but it's like 16 or 17 chapters towards the end of the book of Genesis. And uh, Kevin and I uh, did a study on that for y'all last summer, I think it was. And at the very end, Joseph's brothers, who sold him into slavery, right, uh, they go to Joseph and ask him to forgive them. This is the word that they use. Will you, will you take away our offense? Will you lift it? from us. We've been weighed down by the guilt of this since we last saw you. And we're asking you to take it off our backs, to lift it, to carry it away. Does it make sense? So part of forgiveness is this idea of lifting or carrying or taking away something from someone. All right. So another passage we'll look at uh, is in the book of Psalms. And It's Psalm 86, the 86th Psalm, verse 5, and it says this. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. A couple of observations that, that I've made in this series, and one of them is the number of times in the Old Testament that forgiveness 
is used in conjunction with the Old Testament word for grace or love, everlasting love. Um, how's it said here? Uh, abounding in love, steadfast love. Okay, there's a there's a little word in Hebrew. Uh, Brady can show it to you if you want to see it. Yeah, there it is on his arm, and. Uh, um, the number of times those two words are used in, in conjunction with each other. In fact, uh, both of the words for forgiveness are used in conjunction with that loving, that steadfast love word in both of these passages. So in this particular verse and many, many others in the Old Testament that refer to forgiveness, they use a word for, for which the root means to spare, to spare, as in uh, sparing someone from a terrible fate, like uh, you know, this was on fire, and I was able to spare one of them, right? One whatever I don't know. Uh, one house was spared in the fire. One something was spared. That's the word that's used to mean forgiveness in these contexts. So we have now two. Old Testament words to kind of govern our approach to forgiveness. One means to lift or carry away. Uh, the other means to spare, to save in a sense. All right. The New Testament is written in a completely different language That's uh, that was the common street language of the first century Roman Empire. It's called Koine Greek, not that you care. Um, but in that particular language... There are three different words that are used in our New Testament that mean forgiveness or to forgive. Okay, and we're going to look at those three words for some clues as to what forgiveness means or how we might better forgive. So first, from Luke chapter 17, verses 3 and 4, we're told, pay attention to yourselves. Can I interrupt myself for just a second? So, I, I, I've, in this study, looking at the word of you know, forgiveness in the Old Testament and the New Testament, in the Old Testament, I was impressed by the number of times forgiveness and steadfast love occur in conjunction with each other. In the New Testament, particularly where Jesus is talking to us about forgiveness, it is striking how often he first tells us to examine our own hearts. And to not be judgmental when we are extending forgiveness. To self-examine and ask God to first deal with our own sin, the log in our own eye. So, here he goes again, saying, pay attention to yourselves. That's the first step. Uh, If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day... And turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Now in this context, the word that's used for forgive has a root meaning that means to send away or separate, to sort of cut off one from the other. As in an offense. We're, we're taking that offense and we're, we're cutting it away from the person who committed it. Does that make sense? Alright, so this idea of separation or sending away of an offense. I'm going to jump backwards in the Gospel of Luke to chapter 6 for our next word. And this is a little longer of a, of a uh, passage, but you'll, we'll get through this. 
verses 32 through 38 in Luke chapter 6. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So, this is Jesus at his brutal best. Right? He knows exactly the type of hearts that he's talking to. They're just like ours. And we occasionally need to be kind of shaken out of our uh, comfort ruts and woken up spiritually. And Jesus has a very effective way of doing this when he teaches. And he says things in very stark terms that get our attention. Um, But I want to focus on the word itself that he uses in this passage for forgiveness. It means to release, to let go, or to free something, as in to cut it loose. I, I think, at least in my own heart, this is, this is perhaps the most helpful of the word studies that we're doing. This idea of letting go. Letting go. And we'll talk about this more in a minute. But uh, Jesus is essentially telling us when we forgive, we need, to, we need to let something go. Just let it, set it free. Let it, cut it loose. Okay. Let me jump, if I may, to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. And I want to just read verses 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So here we see a couple of things. First, uh, that we have to get rid of some stuff. We have to offload the the junk in our own hearts before we really are going to be ready to be tender-hearted and kind and forgiving. Um, and then we see this word that is used here, which we talked about this a little bit last week. It has the same root as the word for grace, which has the same word, root for the word for gratitude and the same root for the word for gift. So gift, gratitude, grace are all etymologically related. Um, That's just a fancy word for they share a common root. They all come from the same root word. So George, in case you needed me to translate etymologically related, 
It just means they all come from the same thing. You got that? Okay, you got it. Um, so, <clears throat> to freely give is what Jesus, is what uh, the Apostle Paul is calling us to in this verse, as in an undeserved gift. So forgiveness is not something that someone can earn from you. Someone can earn your respect, but they cannot earn forgiveness. It is a gift, and it's given to the undeserving. And we have to face this in our relationship with God first, that when he forgave us, he gave us an, a gift as undeserving recipients. We didn't clean our act up to the point where we deserve to be forgiven, where God went, ooh, Rusty's really good. Wow, what a good, solid Christian. I'm going to forgive him because he deserves it. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? None. Yes. Um, and so this idea that forgiveness includes the giving of an undeserved gift. So, all right. I told you we were going to make this a workshop, so here it comes. This is the workshop part of our morning. If you don't have a pen, go get one. Actually, you don't need a pen. Because you can mentally fill in this blank, which might be a good suggestion if the person whose name you're going to put there is sitting right next to you. Not looking at anyone in particular. All right? You can write someone's name, you can write their initials, you can come up with a cryptic code and, you know, jot something in there. You can draw a picture. Did I say draw a picture? You can draw a picture. Whatever you need to do. No putting, no putting an arrow through the head if you draw the picture. It's not forgiving. Okay. So I want you to think of an actual human being in your life that is in need of your forgiveness. And, this could have been someone who did something or didn't do something many, many, many years ago. It could be very, very recent. doesn't matter. The, the workshop works the same. All right? Do I need to give you a minute? Probably not. All right? But I, I honestly want you to have another person, another soul in view as we do this. Can you do that? Okay, so whoever that someone or someone's might be, we're going to take our first step from a from one of the Hebrew words in the Old Testament, and to forgive this person, we are we are called to lift that burden of unforgiveness from that soul. We're going to lift it up and take the weight off of that person. That's the first step. Um, and, and actually, uh, if you weren't here for the past couple of weeks, we have actually already covered the pre-steps that we deal with what's in our own hearts first, that we, we let God kind of take out the trash and clean up the space. And we, we engage in his forgiveness first, and now we're free to begin to forgive others. So assuming the pre-work is done, that you've gone to God with your own junk and given that to him, when you are looking at this other person, I want you to lift the weight of their offense 
off of their shoulders. Okay? The next thing that we're going to do is we're going to spare them. We're going to spare them from the fate of ill will and resentment. Here's the, here's the, um, the free side effect, the uh, collateral goodness that comes from doing this. When, when we do, when we spare that person from the fate of ill will and resentment, guess what? You benefit too. The toxicity comes out of you, uh, when you do this for another. Now let me be clear. You've probably heard someone say at some point, you need to forgive that person or it will tear you up inside. Okay? I don't disagree with that statement. Here's what's interesting. The Bible never says you need to forgive that person for your own benefit. It never says you will be mentally healthier if you forgive that person. You will be better off if you forgive. It just says forgive. And then we discover in that forgiveness, like, holy cow, I feel lighter. I feel freer. I feel spiritually better. Okay? But our motivation for forgiving another can never be my own benefit. It doesn't work that way. When we do forgive, there usually comes with that a benefit for ourselves. But that cannot be our motive, or it's not forgiveness. It's self-improvement or something. All right. So we lift the burden from that other person. We spare them from the fate of ill will and resentment. And now we'll, we'll jump over to some of the New Testament words and take some clues that we are to separate the offense from the offender. We're to separate the action from the person. Does that make sense? Okay? This separation is absolutely critical. This is what God did with us. He said, I, I love her, and so I'm going to have to take the sin and separate that from her soul. I will deal with the sin on the cross. I will take care of that. I will pay that price. But I've got to get her separated from this burden. And so we are called to do the same thing for the people we need to forgive, to separate the offense from the person. And then we're going to take a clue from this, actually the least often used word to refer to forgiveness in the New Testament, but I think a very important one. We're going to let go of the offense. So we we lift it from that person and spare them from the weight and burden of resentment. We separate the offense from the person and then we let it go. We drop it. Um, this is all fun and games until you're married. <laughs> because the temptation is to never let it go. Right? You've done that. You always do that 
You do that to me every time we argue. You do that, you know, blah, blah, blah. We do this to each other. We hold on to things. That's not part of forgiveness. Letting it go means we're actually putting it into God's hands. We're turning it over to a different pilot. And it's not something we're particularly comfortable with because it means we're, we're giving up control of that offense. We thought we had it in a box. And God says, pick up the box, walk away from the other person, open the box, and dump it out. Let it go. And so, we are releasing, when we let an offense go, we are releasing that person from the hold of unforgiveness. Guess what? You're also releasing yourself from the hold of unforgiveness and the toxicity that comes with it. But that's not why we do it. So we release that person from the hold of unforgiveness when we let go. And we leave the situation in God's hands. I am so prideful. I actually think I can handle it better than God will. Like, by, if I hold on to it, I've got this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this offense where it really needs to go, which is usually somewhere towards vengeance or, you know, something ugly like that. Right? God says, Tom, vengeance is mine. Let it go. Give it to me. And, and, and let go now. Your hand is still on the handle. Yeah, that's right. And so, we're called to let the offense go. Very not easy. That's not really the right way to say that, but you know what I mean. Okay. The next step, the next clue, the next indication as to how to forgive is that we freely extend grace to that person. We don't wait until they look like they're really sorry. We don't wait until they say something uh, that means they've humbled themselves. We don't wait for them to deserve our forgiveness. We let it go and we extend grace. And then I've added a step, if that's okay. I got this off of uh, some very deep reading I was doing the other day. Uh, my our, One of our daughters just went off to college and left like 17 shampoo, conditioner, and other substance bottles in her shower that I don't know what they are, right? So they've all been moved into our shower because I have a wife who, who's going to make sure it all gets used, right? Which is good. And uh, so I, I, I have picked these things up, and I, I don't have my glasses on usually when I'm there. And I'm like, what in the world is this, right? But they all say something that I want to share with you. This is some profound, deep reading that I've done recently. Lather, rinse, repeat. When you are trying to forgive someone, lather, rinse, Repeat. I don't know why those bottles aren't all empty. If that's the instructions, we should just say it's a one-use deal, right? Just keep doing it over and over again. 
So, how do I want to say this? So, here, metaphorically, I'm trying to faithfully represent what's in God's Word. I'm going to close this for a second, and I'm going to step over here, just into the arena of pastoral observation. Is that fair? So this isn't God's word that I'm saying to you right now. This is this is Tom's opinion, but based on time as a pastor. Forgiveness does not come naturally to people, and it does not come quickly to people, to our hearts. It is a function of time. Forgiveness takes time. And we may think we have forgiven someone and find years later when we're really doing the soul searching of what's truly in here that I kept some of it. I I stuck it in a smaller box, just a piece of it, and I tucked it away in a closet somewhere in my heart. And when we're doing this thing that God calls us to do of really examining ourselves, looking at ourselves, we find things periodically. And we learn, okay, I thought I had forgiven that person, but I now have a deeper understanding of forgiveness, and I have a deeper understanding of myself, and I realize I've been holding on to some things. And so we really do need to lather, rinse, and repeat. Forgiveness does not normally come in one felled swoop. It takes time and repetition and attention to our own junk to really work towards the fullness of what God wants from us in terms of forgiveness. And so I just say that in my own experience, forgiveness takes time. It takes repetition. It takes uh, our going back to the cross and understanding God's love and forgiveness for us more and more deeply as time goes on. Let me pray with you. God, our Father, we lift this person who was or was not in the blank on our papers today. We lift him or her or them before you. And we we lift from that person's presence in our own lives, the burden of unforgiveness. We carry it away from them and we separate it from who they are. Lord, we give it to you. And we ask that you would help us to let go, to trust that you are a better handler of these matters than are we. And Lord, we pray for grace in our own hearts toward that person or those people. And we ask that you would help us to examine ourselves and be honest with you and that you would deepen our ability to forgive others. Father, that we would continually come back to the truth and wonder of your cross. That there you actually did take the burden of our sin upon yourself and suffered the penalty of our sin. And that, Lord, 
it wasn't over when you did that. But our sin was gone. Our heads were lifted and hope was restored to our souls. May we be those who replicate that grace in the lives of others. Lead us in this, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.